I wanted to add my voice to Peter's. There cannot be any realistic expectation of decent reform without additional resources. But I think the reasons for that need to be perhaps fairly clearly understood. We're already aware of substantial unmet need currently, and that gap has to be bridged. But I think there's another growing set of expectations. Very few of us would settle for the quality of care that's currently in offer in many parts of the country. So the expectations generally are that we want a much higher standard of care, a much better quality of care, with all the implications for training and investment that that requires. So again, unless something addresses the funding going into that, then we are going to face a very uphill struggle to implement these reforms. I think the proposal to place the individual at the heart of the new framework, I think, is very welcome. And whether that includes personalisation, personal budgets and all of the issues around that is one thing. But we have to remember individuals are part of a community. And there is also a risk in only addressing individual needs in an isolated way. So I think we need to look at communities of interest and geographical communities as well and look at how they might play a part in developing social work and social care provision. My experience when working with ODPM in some of the most deprived communities in the country not just my experience, but the evidence was that you needed to have a partnership between professionals and between people in communities. Where communities tried to go alone, they significantly failed. Where the professionals dominated and told them what was best, they failed. But where there was a genuine partnership uh, between communities and individuals in these communities and the skills of professionals, we saw outcomes that far outstripped those in other areas. Whether we call it co-production or find another more comfortable term, I think there's something about the way we deliver social care and social work that calls for that kind of partnership. And again, when we look at the role of social work, particularly social workers in the adult sphere, the very training that social workers have had, certainly I know the training I had, probably a bit outdated now, but issues like advocacy, issues like helping people identify their aspirations and the best ways of meeting them, were fundamental skills. So it seems to me there's an opportunity here in this legislation to reinstate the status and positive role of social workers, moving them away from simply being gatekeepers of resources. Because it's easy to see when they became that why many people felt that we don't need so many social workers, we just need people who can manage to hold the line. I think the time has come and this legislative change offers the opportunity for social workers to be what they should always have been. One bit that strikes me as not coming through very strongly in the proposal is prevention. Where is prevention, you could argue? We all talk about the need for prevention. We all talk about it valuably. I have to say, as an organisation that seeks to find evidence to support things, there's not as much evidence around about prevention as there should be. So one of the things that we need to do and continue to do is to produce the evidence that helps support the introduction of a whole range of preventive services. But we need to stop thinking about these in only social care terms. They are about housing, they're about leisure, they're about employment, they're about all kinds of things that make for a good quality of life, even transport. I'm over 60 now, so I've got a free bus pass, so I've got a certain vested interest <laughs> being Scottish in uh, not paying for anything I don't have to. <laughs> now, I think there are things that impact on quality of life that actually mean a lot to individuals that we need to keep on board. I think the national framework, while welcome, throws up the difficulty because there's an issue both of reality and perception for people out there when they see different services being offered for different criteria in parts of the country. But against that, there is the fact that local solutions to local problems 
are often very, very much more effective than prescribing a national solution, which might not address the historical and cultural differences. So again, something that helps us move forward on that, and I suggest that the co-production approach locally, uh, using local communities and individuals and users and carers, begins to offer a way forward that addresses that. But I think until we have and, and can afford some kind of clear national eligibility criteria, we might continue to have difficulties. Finally, the role of my organisation, Sky, is to identify what works, to understand why it works. And maybe importantly, it's also to be clear about what doesn't work. Because we see a great deal of effort going into doing the same old things unsuccessfully again and again. So again, looking at how we can disseminate good practice, looking indeed at how we can bring value for money into that. Because we, are, we have to be acutely aware of the fact there is a cost attached to delivering all services. But I think if we use our methodology, which uses uh, users and carers very much in producing this material, then we begin to get a very well-informed and rounded approach that offers commissioners, that offers providers, something that helps deliver services that match the aspirations of users and carers. And finally, all our material and all our effort is being directed towards users and carers, towards helping them be empowered in what is a very, very difficult system. Thank you.